0: So, like like some of you, I think over the past couple of weeks, I've spent a little bit of time thinking about friend star Matthew Perry. Some of you know that he he passed away a couple of weeks ago. And um, Matthew, if you don't know, if you're like, well, I'm a Christian, so I don't watch that. Um, Matthew played the hilarious and sarcastic Chandler Bing on this incredible, this wildly popular sitcom called Friends back in the day. And of course, he passed he passed away at home a couple of weeks ago. Um, say what you will about the show, there's some morality problems to be sure, I get it. But for me, the show kind of happened to catch me at the right time, as I was a young college kid, my first semester at school, maybe a little bit lonely, and, uh, and it caught me in a, in a particular way, this group of friends. And honestly, there was a lot that I felt like I could identify with, with the Chandler Bing. <laughs> maybe I found some similarities between me and Chandler. In fact, my two best friends at the time in school, we all kind of we all kind of correlated with the three guys and friends. And so my friend Glenn was really smart, very intellectual, and so he was Ross. My friend John, well, he liked sandwiches, so he was Joey. Some of you did watch it. And, and, and then me, I was a little bit witty and somewhat sarcastic and so I was Chandler. Like Chandler, I had some family issues growing up and my parents split up when I was young. Yes, I was a little sarcastic and I tended to use humor when I was a little uncomfortable. I wore a lot of sweater vests in that time period. I don't know why that's funny, that shouldn't be. Um, like Chandler, I too thought that gum would be perfection. That's a deep cut for some of you and some of you, some of, you've given yourself away. Uh, never mind if you didn't get it, that's no problem. I mean, we just had a lot in common. Could we be any more similar? <laughs> so, so I actually read Matthew's biography last year uh, and it's called Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. And it's really a story about his life, how he got the show Friends, um, it's about the people that he dated, but mostly it's about the big, terrible thing. The issue that he had was an addiction to substances, alcohol, and drugs, and it plagued him for all of his life. In fact, he spent millions of dollars trying to get out of it. And he did kind of get out of it towards the end, but it did plague him most of, the, most of his life. So he passed away a couple weeks ago, and there's been this one clip that's traveled around on the news because before Matthew Perry died, he told people how he wanted to be remembered. You said in the book, I, I think you have to have all your dreams come true to realize they're the wrong dreams. What, what are the dreams? I probably stole from Jim Carrey, I guess. What are, the, what are the dreams now? The dreams now, the best thing about me, bar none, is if somebody comes up to me and says, I can't stop drinking, can you help me? I can say yes and follow up and do it. That's the best thing. And I've said this for a long time. When I die, I don't want friends to be the first thing that's mentioned. I want that to be the first thing that's mentioned. And I'm gonna live the rest of my life proving that. When I die, I don't want the thing that everybody knows me for to be the thing that everybody remembers me for. I want something more meaningful to be what people remember me by. And I think like a lot of us, Matthew Perry had kind of figured out. I mean, this guy, he had all the fame in the world, one of the biggest stars ever. He dated anybody that he wanted to. He had all the money that you could imagine and he was empty because of it. And he knew that the one thing that seemed to matter more than all of that was what I could do for others. And that's what he wanted to be remembered by, doing something for others. Look at the photo again of Matthew. You, most of us are gonna, well, actually all of us are gonna experience this. We have a birth date. His was 1969 Then there's a dash. And then for him, there's a death date, 2023. None of us have that yet, but one day you will. One day there will be, welcome to church, everybody. Aren't you glad to be here? (laughs) Welcome to church. You're all gonna die. So, And then what's gonna be remembered? Your whole life is gonna be reduced down to a dash just like that. Your whole life will look like that. Every accomplishment, every failure, everything that you ever did is going to be in the dash. And the question that we want to ask ourselves today is, what's in the dash? Because for all of us in this room, it's being written as we speak. We're headed in some direction, and what do you want people to say when you're done? What's in the dash? We're in this What Matters Most series, and we're talking about legacy and leaving a legacy and... We've talked about how we wanna become like God. We wanna be givers and be like God himself. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he, he gave. That's what God is like. God is a giver. Oh, hello, puberty. God is a giver. But the truth is, when it comes to you and me, there's really only two kinds of people. Don't you love it when people say that? There's only two kinds of people in the world. And then they reduce it something down to try to show off their incredible brilliance. And it, it, it's always a little bit silly. So, so forgive me for that. I mean, you've seen it, right? There are two kinds of people as you think about the world. There's the people who drive into parking spaces forward and there's the people who have to back into parking spaces. You know those people? I'm just like, does it really save you that much time? I know that you're costing me a bunch of time and I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? But there are two kinds of people in the world. God is a giver, but when it comes to us, usually we're either contributors or we're consumers. We live a life in a way that wants to contribute to other people, contribute to life, contribute to family, contribute to the church, contribute to the kingdom, or we want to consume from life and take from others and get everything that we possibly can. Consumers are typically pretty unhappy. Life's not so good. They're always a little grumpy, frustrated. We call them misers. People who are contributors are some of the most fulfilled, loving, helpful, joyful, and straight up happy people that you'll come into contact with. I think that's what Matthew Perry was after. So Jesus talks about these two in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. We're gonna read a little passage of scripture here. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And here, most of you have grown up hearing this verse, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if you grew up in church for a long time, like I have, you've heard this verse a lot. And it was pretty much always connected to money. (laughs) Because pastors really wanted to encourage people to give, and giving is good. But if you look at the context here, that's not actually the context. The context is not just financial. The context is the course of your life. And Jesus is actually laying out a pretty simple but very difficult thing to do. Jesus is saying, imagine the worst person and give them the most extravagant love that you can imagine. It's a simple idea, really hard to do. He's saying, don't worry so much about getting everything that you can in this life, but even to the people that you can't stand, contribute to their lives. Imagine what the world would like if every person in this room truly lived like this every day. You know what it would look like? The kingdom of God. This is what it will look like one day, but, but on the earth, we're all struggling a little bit. So this verse is not just about money. This is a universal principle, and it's about sowing and reaping. This is a universal law that whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Most of us have heard that, we're familiar with it. But what it means is that we don't always think about is it works both ways. If you're critical, then you're gonna get criticism back. If you gossip about other people, you're gonna tend to get some gossip back in your general direction. If you're mean and grumpy, if you're selfish and self-centered, you're gonna find that the world is restricting towards you. What you sow, that's what you're gonna reap. That's what Jesus is saying. But also, also if you do things that are good, if you're encouraging It's pretty amazing you're going to start getting some of that back if you end up being kind to people people are going to be kind to you if you give love to everybody you come into contact with you're going to find love coming back to you the reality is is that god wired creation to work this way but here's the thing you tend to get back more than you give always it's pretty incredible you tend to get back more than you give. I mean, you can see it in nature operating. If I go out and I plant a kernel of corn, I'm not just gonna get a kernel back, right? I'm gonna get, I don't know, a lot of corn. I don't, I don't know how corn works, but I'm gonna get a stalk. I'm gonna get lots of kernels. I may get more stalks. I'm gonna get a lot of corn out of that. If I plant a tomato, I'm not getting one tomato back. I'm getting a lot of tomatoes back. Heather Bradley told me that this fall, she, she planted pumpkin seeds And her house was overrun with pumpkins in just a short amount of time. What you give, you tend to get more back. Whatever you contribute, you're gonna get back in greater measure. And God designed it this way. Why does he make it this way? Because he wants us to be givers. He wants us to be contributors. He wants you to realize that as you give good things, more is coming back your way. But see, my human nature is the opposite of that. I don't wanna give to that, especially to an enemy. What I wanna do is I wanna keep. I want to scrimp and save. I want to make sure that I've got enough. I want to rely on myself. I think I've got to do it alone. Nobody's coming to help me. That's what I've thought in my life. If you have kids, if you've ever taken them to McDonald's to get some fries, or maybe a friend to get some fries, or you've experienced something like this. You take them, you get them in the car, and you drive your son, your daughter, and you pick up a large fry from McDonald's, and you get in the car, and it's just, the smell is overwhelming, it smells so good, that greasy, lardy, unhealthy, horrible goodness, and you just want one of those fries, because you bought them for them, right, and they're sitting there all happy, and so you're like, well, I just, and you reach over, and you pluck one out, and you eat it, oh, it's so good. I'm so happy and unhealthy. And what happens next? I can tell you what happens next because I've experienced it. Your son says, hey, those are my fries. Excuse me? Those are your fries? I'm not sure you realize how this works because you have three immediate thoughts. Number one, my kid forgot I'm the source of all the fries. I am the source of all fries. I drove you here. I bought those fries with my money. I gave them to you. I'm driving your sorry behind home. I am the source. You wouldn't have any fries if it weren't for me. (laughs) I am the fry giver. Secondly, my kid doesn't realize I can take those fries away whenever I want. I can remove them if I decide to. On the other hand, I could buy my kid a truckload of fries. I could have you swimming in fries if you really want to. I have the power to do either. And lastly, I don't need your fries. I can buy all the fries on my own. I can buy myself 100 large fries. And I can sit here and you can't have any. I can do all of these things. I just want you to learn not to be selfish. And in those three lessons, we start to discover how God wants us to learn to start to be contributors. Because number one, God is the source of everything that you have. You forgot he's the fry giver. Everything that you have is from him. Well, Brent, I'm, I'm a self-made man. There's no such thing. Well, Brent, I'm an entrepreneur. I work hard. No, 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 no. All the blessings and good things you have, they come from God. He owns it all. And if you remember that, you can start to contribute easier. Secondly, God has all the power and can take it all away or double it whenever he wants to. <laughs> because it's all his, he can take it or he can give you even more. And actually the scriptures would say, how you handle it will depend on what happens. And then thirdly, God don't need your fries. He's got the fries on a thousand hills. I don't know exactly how that works, but he, <laughs> he's got a whole bunch of Christians in the room for sure. That's <laughs> Love Bible humor. He owns it all. He doesn't need your fries. Listen, if we can get those things in mind, we can start then from security and confidence to start to be contribute more. And this is really important for us to understand because we might be living the opposite way. See, I think what happens to us a lot is that we actually, a lot of us, we live for God out of a a sense of obligation. I gotta go to church because I just have to. It's what I'm supposed to do. I gotta go to a small group because that's what Ross tells me to do all the time. I, I I gotta serve God. I gotta wake up. I gotta read my Bible because that's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. Most people follow God out of a have to instead of a I get to. I have to do all these things instead of God owns it all and God wants to work through me. I get to do these things. And so what happens is you don't enjoy prayer because you feel like I just know I gotta pray. So that's how you approach your prayer time. You don't like to read your Bible because I just know I'm supposed to, and so nothing ever happens. Well, I wonder why. I'm just showing up going, okay, God, I gotta get this over with. Uh, okay, I'm done, I gotta go to work now. You don't contribute at church because I just know I'm supposed to be here on occasion, and so I'm just doing my best. Hurry up, get over, there's football coming. So we have a generation of religious people who follow God out of obligation instead of just enjoying Him at every moment. Enjoying the life of God that's available to all of us and here's what Philippians two thirteen says is that God is working in you Hey, everybody God is working in you giving you the desire And the power to do what pleases him God's at work. If you will allow him he's at work in you giving you both the desire to do the things He's called you to but not only that the power to do all the things that he's called you to do so In other words, I stop having to, I start wanting to do it. I wanna be a contributor. So this is a part of why we do this legacy offering every year. Uh, It's why we go through this legacy series. It's this offering that we do that's a stretch of our faith and it's above our normal tithes and offerings and it helps one chapel to take a step forward in the vision that God has called us to. And we wanna learn to be contributors. It's why we do it. We always tell you about that offering early. It's on December 3rd this year. So we tell you early because we never want you to feel like you're pressured. We're not gonna show you sad videos. There's no kitten videos, no sad puppy videos. We're not gonna do any of that. We, don't, we aren't interested in emotionally manipulating you to contribute. We just want you to do one thing. When it comes to December 3rd and the vision of one chapel, would you pray and ask God what he wants you to do? Would you listen to what he says and would you do it? That's what my family's gonna do. That's all we're asking you to do. Pray and ask him what you should give and then just do that. It's actually really simple. Now, we're already giving. You've already seen Ross today talk about how we're, uh, we're giving to Mountain Gateway every month. And every month we give away the first 10% of, of tithes and offerings to global missions and church planning around the world. Like you're already doing that. We partner with 17 local organizations right here in our city. In the past for Legacy, we've done lots of things. Like we gave money to a bunch of teachers for a couple years and it was so much fun and great stories and testimonies came out of that. We renovated a little store up in Spicewood because they weren't able to do it and we came alongside and renovated for them. Like just finding ways to make a difference. But in 24, we have four focuses that we're looking at. Number one, we wanna focus in on the next generation. We want the next generation around here to grow. We want to update our approaches. We would love to renovate our classrooms up here and make them just incredible spaces. Number one, we tend to run out of room. And number two, we'd love it just to be a beautiful place where a kid just loves to come. We want to invite, we want to invest in our students and in our local schools. We want to support in resources for parents. We just did our first parent summit and it was awesome. We'd love to resource you more to help you raise your kids. Next generation. The second thing is radical hospitality. We want One Chapel to be a place where people know that they can come and be transformed. We have a reputation, honestly, for being a welcoming place. People tell us all the time I went to a bunch of other places and nobody said one word to me. And I came to One Chapel and people said hi to me nonstop. That's you, that's what you do. It's probably because you got name tags on. That's what we do. We have a reputation for doing that, but we would like to do some more. We have a wedding venue out here now, and that's an opportunity to share, people, share with people the good news. What if we did things like coffee shops around here? What if we put pickleball courts somewhere on here and, and let people just come and be exposed to what's happening around here? Just outreach all the time, even during the week, and see incredible things happen. Radical hospitality. What about gospel outreach and spiritual formation? That's number three. Things like Alpha that really help people get some questions answered about faith. More discipleship coaching and curriculum for us and really just working towards getting more outside the walls of our church like Serve Day a couple of weeks ago that Lori Catone put together. Didn't she do a good job everybody? It was awesome. And then number four, we want to rescue vulnerable kids and we're doing that of course internationally with Village Global, part of Mountain Gateway. You saw some of that last week. Giving to the the neediest, most marginalized people, innocent children being trafficked. And we wanna make a difference there. And so our legacy offering is about that. But of course, this is not only about finances, this is also about us taking our time and energy and giving. That's why we had serve day on the fourth. And there's a few more opportunities coming up. Feature presentation is coming up next week, starting next week, November 19th. It is the perfect opportunity for you to invite somebody to come to church. You've heard Ross say it. I've said it a lot of times. We think that at least two out of the 52 weeks of the year, you should have somebody sitting beside you at church. Just somebody who's unsaved, a friend, a neighbor, somebody exposed to the gospel for the first time. You should do that. You, it's gonna be the most miserable experience you'll ever have because you're gonna be sitting there so nervous about one of us just screwing everything up for you. Don't, please don't say that today. Oh, why are you saying that? Oh, why are you doing that? I'm telling you, you will care very much about what's happening in the service on that day. And you should have that experience. Somebody close to you being exposed to the good news of Jesus, maybe for the first time. That's an opportunity for future presentation. Christmas Eve at One Chapel, that's another opportunity. People will come to church on Christmas time. It's an incredible opportunity to ask to ask somebody. That's 11.30, one o'clock, and 2.30 this year, everybody. So you get the Christmas evening at home It's gonna be a lot of fun. And of course, the legacy offering on December 3rd is kind of where this culminates. So the question is, if we need to be contributors, if God is working on us towards this conclusion, what should we do? Well, how do we become such contributors? I think it happens when you understand why you're really doing it. I've heard Pastor Chris Hodges say this, that the why is what motivates everything. In fact, he says that when you lose your why, you tend to lose your way. I can show it to you. You prayed for that job, you worked hard to get the job, and then you finally got the job. It wasn't what you thought it was. Now time has gone on and you're a little frustrated. You forgot why you wanted the job in the first place and now you feel lost, you lost your way. It happens when you get married sometimes. People get married and then you wake up one day and go, we both look different and you have changed and things are different and you forget why you married them in the first place, why you fell in love originally and so you start to lose your way and in fact, you start to look around a little bit. You come to faith in Jesus and and then you forget why you came to Jesus in the first place. Maybe it was overly emotional for you and you came to him in a moment and it it wasn't solidified in your heart and you forgot why and so your faith starts to fizzle out. When you lose your why, you lose your way. We have to know why we're doing what we're doing. We have to remember the whys. And so I wanna remind you of some whys, the reasons why we are contributors as we close out today. Number one, we're contributors because Jesus gave to me first. I wanna to give to this world because Jesus gave to me first. Matthew ten eight says, freely you have received, so freely give. I like it in the message paraphrased version. It says, you've been treated generously, so live generously. When you begin to open up your heart and your eyes and your mind and realize everything that God has done for you, and he did it first, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, what happens is it's easy to start to contribute. But we forget that Jesus gave first. First. John Bonnell is an English novelist, and he said, if one gives, first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. And can I just make a quick confession to you? All this legacy talk, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, honestly, because I get it. I like the reasons, like living a life that outlives you or, or, or something that lives on once you're gone. Those are neat things to say, but honestly, it seems a little bit me-focused, and I want to make sure that we never get too me focused about this. Honestly, when it comes to legacy, I think a legacy that we should be shooting for is remembering that Jesus gave to us first. Our legacy should be more defined or should more, art, more, more, art, uh, our, <clears throat> our legacy could be articulated more clearly by our devotion to Jesus. How much were you willing to surrender to God? How much intimacy did you have with Jesus? At the end of the day, when my dash gets fulfilled and my death date goes up on a board somewhere, I want my kids to say, my dad loved Jesus. And because of that, there was an outpouring of his life towards others. That's what I hope for. Number two, the second reason that we remember why we want to be contributors is it's just better to give than to receive. It is, it's just better. Uh, In the message paraphrase, it says, you'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering. Our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. It was Winston Churchill who said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So if you don't like the direction of your life right now, I would encourage you, go out today, and give to somebody. Go have lunch, give an enormous tip, put an acts of kindness card that is on your seat there, give it to somebody with that enormous tip, and watch what begins to happen in your life. If you're not excited about the direction of your life today, it could be that you've been consuming more than you've been contributing. It could be that you've been contributing things that are negative and you're experiencing some of that back so just decide it's better to give than to receive and i'm going to go and i'm going to receive god's blessing number three we want to remember why i'm committed to god the local church and to you taylor why don't you guys come up the reason why i want to contribute is because i'm committed to god i'm committed to the local church and i am committed to you See, God has a plan for the world, and it's a good one. And that plan involves grouping people together in godly, transformative community. God's plan is actually that you would get close enough to others that the rough edges would get rubbed off, that you would become more like him as you interact with his people and realize that we can do more together than we ever can do alone. And that is why, everybody, the enemy attacks your relationships so relentlessly. He's after your relationships because he knows that if he can just get you isolated, you're like the antelope out prancing in the field that gets lost and the cheetah, the enemy, can now come and snatch you away and destroy you. It is actually his plan, but God has another plan for you. Actually, let me show you real quick just what it looks like. (laughs) <laughs> that's the early days of funny videos, man. That's like that's like one of the first ever. Listen, listen. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Get you off in the corner somewhere by yourself so that he can come and take you. And the Spirit of God is running after you faster than the enemy, scooping you up and taking you to safety. This is what he wants. And you know where that happens? Right here. Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. If you want to flourish in your life, you need to be planted here. You need to make the decision and commit. Fourth reason why we want to remember our why of contributing is because I just believe in the mission of the local church. Here it is. Ephesians 3.10 in the message paraphrased through, through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. You are God's plan. People say, well, the church has caused all kinds of problems and religion is the issue. Don't you believe that lie? It is not true. Actually, the majority of hospitals in poverty-stricken areas around the world, they are put there by Christians. If the church goes away from the world, I can guarantee you it's chaos. So if there's no other reasons to do any of what we've just said, the reason why we wanna do this is we wanna one day hear Jesus say, well done. One day I wanna stand before God. I wanna walk down a golden hallway towards him. I'm gonna turn the corner. I'm gonna see the throne room of God and his glory is filling the place so much that I can't stand. And I want to look at him and I'm going to start to erupt in praise. And God's going to say, hold on just a minute. I want to say some things to you. I want to say, well done. You took what I gave you, the wife I gave you, the wonderful kids I gave you, the family, the church that I gave you, the gifts and talents, the ruggedly handsome appearance. You took all those things and you did your best with what I gave you. And people are here because of you. Son, I just want to say, well done. And I'm gonna say, God, I don't deserve any of it. I don't, please, I don't, I don't deserve any. I don't want to, I don't want to. I can't, God, you deserve all that. No no no, 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 no. I'm a rewarder, and I want to give back to you. And actually, you can read it in Scripture, Matthew 16. The Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each according to His works. Matthew 25:23. His master replied, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness." Look, everybody, all I want you to think about today is there is more to this life than this life. There's something else that's coming when that death date appears behind your dash. So I want to invite you to stand with me and we're going to go back into worship here really quick. And I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. And I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment. And I wanna invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because it may be that you are finding, you are contributing things that are negative and you're realizing today, oh my goodness, the course of my life may be being determined by the stuff that I've been sowing and I might be reaping it today. And today you wanna make that change and you want to be empowered by the Spirit of God to be able to stop and to begin to contribute. Maybe today you found that you're a consumer and what you're doing is mostly taking and you feel a sense of conviction, not condemnation, but conviction in your heart. And today, God wants to turn that around in you, remind you of your why in him and help you contribute to what he wants to do. Maybe today you don't even know Jesus, but today you wanna meet him. These guys would love to talk to you about that and pray with you or any other need that you have, let's make a decision today and let's let, let's let this be the day that we start to contribute more to what God wants to do in the earth. So please come forward for prayer, any of those things or anything else, as we give God our worship.